1: Everybody, welcome back to the Equipping and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And on today's episode, uh, Doreen Virtue is going to join me, and we're going to talk about uh Steven Furtick. And we're going to start by talking about who he is, and uh then you know a little bit about his influence. Just for those who may not be aware of who he is, there are some people that you know when I mentioned Uh, people's names, they sometimes don't know. So you might already be aware of him. That's great. Um, I just want to mention a little bit about him and who he is. Um, He is, uh, no doubt, a gifted, charismatic speaker, author. Um, You know, his stuff goes viral. He is a graduate. He has a master's of divinity degree from uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary which is uh, many people consider that the premier seminary in the world. Um, He is a pastor of the multi-site Elevation Church in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. He founded that church in 2006. He's the lead pastor there. Um, Outreach Magazine, which is a, you know, kind of a ministry magazine, uh, 2022 list of the largest participating churches, Elevation Church, um, his church has about 26,000 people. Um, he began this church with eight families. They met, you know, in a small senior center. Uh, they were used to pray together and those kind of things. He is known to be close friends with uh, T.D. Jakes of the Potter's House. And uh, uh, his, uh, Jim Symbala is the author of Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, um, inspired Furtick to become a pastor. He's, according to Market Realist, um, he purchased a house for uh, and land for $1.7 million in 2013. His 2023 uh, net worth, according to Market Realist, is estimated to be $60 million. He teaches modalism. It's a doctrine that holds uh, the persons of the Trinity exist in different modes, not distinct and coexisting. And so he has described God and as change as having changing forms. He associates and holds forums with Word of Faith teachers and New Apostolic teachers. So that's a big red flag right there. Um, they boast his church boasts about having four hundred outreach ministries a year. Um, he is a twenty twenty two a Grammy Award winner, a songwriter and producer in the category of best Christian music for the album Old church basement and a New York Times bestseller. Um so as we get into this uh topic here you know we always like to make sure that you understand that big concerns is that we handle the Bible correctly and that's in 2 Timothy 215. It tells us uh that we are to rightly handle the word of God. And since Furtick is a pastor one of the qualifications for a pastor in First Timothy three two Uh, which only men can be pastors and they have to be qualified according to first Timothy three and Titus one. So first Timothy three, two says therefore an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober minded, self-controlled, respectable hospital. And the only thing that they're actually to do is to be able to teach. Uh, Titus one, nine says that they're to be able to correct and Uh, false doctrine as well so the following quotes are taken from it's always been in you a may 2nd 2021 sermon so after each quote uh that i give by furtick you're gonna you're gonna engage it in the scripture with the scripture and you'll also see it and hear it on the video so um i'm gonna read it first and then you'll see it you'll hear it in your earbuds um and so here it is. Uh, the basic premise of it's always been you is that God play, has placed uh, something inside of his people that he desires to bring into their life that that thing could be anything source success talent goals achievements whatever uh the times provided at the end of uh at the beginning of these are from this sermon you can find this sermon at the elevation YouTube channel so in it's always been in you at 2914. To 2942, Furtick says this The relationship that I have with God is not based on the covenant Jacob had. Jacob had a covenant with God that God will be with me. But look at what happens on our end of the bargain. We can't keep that up. He says, Oh, And so you follow God perfectly through every season of your life. Of course, in the valley, you faint. Of course, in the hard times, you get led astray.
0: That that the relationship that I have with God is not based on the same covenant that Jacob had. Jacob had a covenant with God that God will be with me. And that's awesome. How many thank God that he's with you? That's awesome. But look what what happens on our end of the bargain. We can't keep that up. Oh, so you followed God perfectly through every season of your life. Of course, in the valley, you faint. Of course, in the hard times, you get led astray. The
1: the whole point of that account, though, is that. You know, God is faithful. He's always faithful. He'll always remain the same. Titus 1 2 tells us, you know, that God can never lie. Hebrews 13 5 and 9 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so God promised Jacob uh, he would be with him. Genesis 28 15 says, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever I go and will bring you back into this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. And so when we read uh, about Jacob, we're, we're discovering how God sustained his life through every circumstance that he engaged in. And God was faithful to always keep his promise, even when Jacob was unfaithful. And this goes back to the covenant that Abraham made uh, with, or that God made, excuse me, with Abraham in Genesis 15. And one of the most significant uh, details in that passage is that God alone passes through the animal halves. Genesis 15, 17 says, When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And so this signified that God would be faithful to his word. And even if Abraham, and by extension, his heir, Jacob, was not. So we see this play out in Jacob's life. We see this play out in Abraham's life. We see this play out again and again. So what Furtick is doing wrong here, what he's teaching falsely, is he's representing the covenant relationship that Jacob had with the Lord? It was never about us or or about Jacob keeping or up our end of the bargain. It was it was God's covenant faithfulness. It, there's actually a Hebrew word called hased. It means this covenant, the God's covenant uh, loyalty or His love, and uh, you see that throughout the Bible. God is always faithful to His word, and He will always do according to. Um, what he said he will, because he's faithful, he's true, he's holy, just, and perfect. And so it was always about the faithfulness of God, not about our faithfulness. And so our responsibility in light of God's faithfulness is to be faithful to him and to trust his word, as 2 Corinthians one twenty says, that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. But we also need to say something else, that God is always the initiator, and we uh, do not get to bargain with him.
2: Yeah, so this is an unconditional covenant, then. This is not a work-based covenant. Some of the Old Testament covenants were work-based, I remember, um, from my old days of studying covenant theology. But um, as you said, this is God initiating it, not us. And it seems like a lot of Stephen Furtick's work, his teachings, are very man-centered, doesn't it? Elevating man and de-elevating God.
1: That's right and that's I mean we see that we see that distinction in Romans one where it's first the Creator uh, the the Creator creating and then you know the creation is supposed to respond uh, to to the Creator who you know we can say he made all things, he upholds all things by the word of his power. And um, if that's enough, he's the very reason that you have life and breath to watch this episode or listen to this episode or and do what you do every day. Um, the Lord is helping all of the cells in your body to function, including your brain, so that you can process information. And that's a gift, we, we, we say, of God's common grace to all men. And that common grace should lead us then uh, to, to Christ – uh, not away from Christ. That's that's the point of Romans 1, is that they rebel against how God has even revealed himself generally in nature. Now we can say specifically we need to, as Romans 10 said, we need to hear the word of Christ, which is about Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, but it's not about us. It's about Christ. It's about what he has done for us, because uh, that is as Jesus said in John nineteen thirty, it is finished. It was signed and sealed and delivered in the death of Christ and the resurrection hope that we have. And that means that he is soon returning. And so, you know, this whole, uh, like you're saying, um, it's not about me. It's not about my feelings. It's not about all, all these things. It's about God. Uh, Jonah 2, 9 says that salvation is of the Lord. And so, you know, if it's of the Lord, you um, sorry, Furtick, you know, uh, that's, that's, you're, you're wrong just on that basis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know.
2: So is he hinting then that the new covenant is conditional on our works? I mean, certainly, uh, if it flows out of our salvation that we want to please God, as you've been saying, Yeah. but it's, a, it's not a based covenant that we have either.
1: Right. Right. And, and, um, in, in, uh, in the later part, in the next few minutes of that mm-hmm. sermon in in uh 3043 through 3107, he says, I don't have the Jacob covenant, I have the Jesus covenant. I have a covenant that whatever you put on me, shame, guilt, insult, etc., God puts something in me that is greater than than what you put in me. So I know Whoa. you got a lot on you, but I came to preach. He says, um, there's something in you that's always been greater.
0: I don't have the Jacob Covenant. I have the Jesus Covenant. I have a covenant that whatever you put on me, God put something in me that is greater than what you put on me. So I know you got a lot on you. but I came to preach there's something in you that has
2: always been greater. Um, uh, that sounds de- defensive of his critics,
1: yeah. So he's contrasting the new covenant, as you were mentioning, spoken of in Jeremiah 31, 32 with the Jacob mm-hmm. covenant. And so according to Furtick, then the new covenant refers to God's unconditional commitment to bring whatever he quote unquote put in you, whatever blessings, potential, your best life now uh, so that it can come to fruition. But we have to be realistic here and honest and, and also biblical that he misses the point. Yeah. Um, the new covenant is about God's relationship, his covenant or fellowship with his people who obey him from the heart. And and this is why God spoke of his law as being written in the heart of his people. Um, so I have a few verses to read here. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So the problem with the Mosaic law was that it, it didn't change the heart. It revealed our sin, our sinfulness. We're sinners by nature and, and and by nature and by choice. And so the Mosaic law was all external. True godly obedience must come from the heart, which is what uh, uh, Deuteronomy 6 5 through 6 says You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today um, shall be on your heart. And so Moses, he even anticipated this problem in Deuteronomy 10, 16, which says circumcise therefore the foreskin of, of your heart and be no longer stubborn. And so he prophesied about God's uh, circumcising the hearts of his people after their exile in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and that you may live. So. Every Christian, as we're saying here today, they experience this in the new birth when they repent and believe in Christ and then they're indwelt by the spirit and, and given you know new life in him. It's a work of this Holy Spirit that writes God's law on our hearts and makes us a new creation. So one last verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The oldest passed away, behold, the new has come. So the new covenant is about our fellowship with God. And yet we what we see there in the quote that I read in the video that you watched and the clip there and of the audio that you heard, Furtick recasts it as being about me, my success with no mention of Christ, no mention of God, um, which is a main focus. So like we were saying earlier, he's man-centered.
2: That makes so much sense. Thank you, Dave.
1: In again, in the same sermon, it's always been you at 40, 44 to 41, 31. Again, I'll read this and then you'll be able to watch it. It's always been in you. And there's nobody that can lead my life that can keep God from keeping his covenant with me. I'm not in covenant with a person. I'm not in covenant with a political party, he says. I'm in covenant with God Almighty. I am God Almighty get that off of you. That's not your name. That's not your station. That's not your end. It's me. It's in me. It's in me. It is God worketh in you. It's always been in you.
0: It's always been in you. And there's nobody that can leave my life that can keep God from keeping his covenant with me. I'm not in covenant with a person. I'm not in covenant with a political party. I'm in covenant with God Almighty. I am God Almighty. Get that off you. That's not your name. That's not your station. That's not your end. It's in me. It's in me. It's in me. It is God that worketh in you. it's always been in you
2: some wait a minute so he's is he is he saying he's God or that God's in him so therefore he is God
1: yeah some some people have said that some people have said that you know this statement I am God Almighty it was a slip up he was simply affirming that God is almighty right but the lar- the larger issue is that Furtick takes a passage about redemption, and he refers to it to something else. Mm -hmm. He refers to to it earlier, uh, mentioned earlier in the sermon about personal success. He defines God's Mm -hmm. covenant with you about success, it being in you, all about you. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't matter if we're worshiping God, as we we talked about in Romans 1. It doesn't matter if we're growing in holiness and obedience or forsaking sinful desires, uh, putting it to death by the grace of God with the help of the Holy Spirit. What matters to Furtick in this statement is is that God will bring about whatever desire the listener wants because it's what God put in them. And so the focus isn't on God. It's not on the Bible and what the Bible says on the listener. And so Furtick claims that that God is covenant bound to bring people's desires, whatever they want, to fruition.
0: But Furtick...
1: Verdict misses the point, right, that the new covenant revolves around our redemption, our justification, our reconciliation with God through the death of Christ. Um, and that's not about personal fulfillment. As we've mentioned, it's all about what Christ has done and what he continues to do. Um, he is the hope of glory. He is the only way, the only truth, and the only
2: life. Oh, Amen. Yeah, it goes from spiritual death to spiritual life. It's not about our material life. And only God knows people's intentions and motives. But he sure seems like he's talking about building materiality, kind of like a, a motivational speaker there. And you mentioned that he's worth, what, $60 million or something. And, yeah. and you know, this is my time in the new age Uh, traveling with all the famous new age teachers and all of us were very wealthy. We, we were indentured servants we were slaves to sin. So we were spending more than we were making on our sinful lifestyles. But Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we would teach is, you know, if you want to be like me and be successful in a worldly sense, here's what you do. You give a formula. And so it sounds like Stephen Furtick is giving a formula, but it's all a Ponzi scheme. It's all, a pyramid scheme the the person at the top who's teaching how to be quote successful is only mm. successful because they're selling tickets and books and getting offerings mm. to teach how to be successful so it, it the formula doesn't even work unless you start your own network of some sort so it's just it, it's upsetting to hear that because that is something that Is not about salvation having been successful in the past i can say it doesn't even lead to peace it doesn't lead to the truth it leads to just yourself which is the problem yeah
1: yeah and the bible has a a way in psalm one for example what we see is the what's known as the doctrine of the two roads and that way there's a way for the godly to go By reading and delighting in the law, which is the word of God, the 66 books that constitute the word of God, and then meditating on the word, which is a blessing from God. And then the the righteous don't do that. They're like chaff, the writer says. Mm -hmm. They're blown every which way by every wind of doctrine, as Ephesians uh, 4 tells us. And that's that's exactly what, you know, Furtick is. Look at the people that he spends time with. Uh TD yep. Jakes being one. Um TG Jakes is a is a heretic. He he not only and when I mentioned heretic, we're talking about somebody to be clear here. We're talking about somebody who not only rejects what the Bible teaches, they reject what the what the what the church has taught. That's not only heir, that's heresy. Um so somebody being an heir would be somebody that rejects like you know the scriptural truth, but somebody who's a heretic is somebody who rejects. The, the the bible and what the church has taught and t.d jakes rejects the both of those things he is a yeah. pentecostal so he doesn't believe in the trinity um and that's 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 heresy um the church dealt with that they defined those matters in the first uh three and a half uh decades three first excuse me the first 300 years of the church mm-hmm. and so
2: yeah it's uh it's It's a tragedy. Uh, T.G. Jakes is another one who's focused on, you know, making money, making money and and uh, all these promises that if you plant a seed, if you sow a seed in faith, then God will release the anointing, release the breakthrough. All of these false promises that can end up shipwrecking shipwrecking people's faith.
1: Yeah, you're. You're. I mean, when I think about what he said, I think of Joel Olstein in your best yeah. life now. Might as well just do whatever you want, whenever you can. In fact, there was a famous incident that kind of illustrates the problem with this. In um, I can't remember exactly when it was, and when I read it, I think it was in the 2010 range. But a CNN reporter actually came to uh, Joel Olstein's church, and keep in mind, this is an atheist. And she reported that she was compelled. She found uh, she found Joel Olstein's message um, motivating and encouraging. She was not un- made uncomfortable about her own sin about her rejecting God. She said she's an atheist. Um, instead, she was motivated. She was encouraged.
2: That's, yeah, it, yeah, it's e- it's ego stroking. Yeah. It's telling you that, gosh, you're a good person. You don't have to change. And that's what the false Christ does. That's what we see in Jesus calling uh, that, you know, that that's that fake Jesus in Jesus calling says that you're a wonderful person just as you are. And that feels good to hear, but it's not the truth. And we know it deep down. Yeah. Yeah. It
1: makes me like like you're saying, this also makes me think of theological liberalism, which. What it, one of the hallmarks of theological liberalism historically is that they separate Jesus from the Bible. Mm. And when you do that, you're always going to get the wrong Jesus, whether it's Jesus calling, whether it's with Stephen Furtick and the word of faith or the new apostolic reformation. You're always going to get the wrong Jesus. And if you, you the reason that you get the wrong Jesus is because you reject the Bible. You actually reject the Bible. You want to minimize the Bible. You don't want to deal with or talk about sin. Or anything, um, you know, in Acts 20, since Furtick is a, you know, he, he's a pastor, um, he's commanded in Acts 20 that the leaders that these Ephesian elders were commanded by Paul to preach the word. Uh, Paul told, you know, Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 uh, to preach the word in season and out of season. Um, we're to be every Christian, First uh, Peter 3:15. Every every Christian is to be ready to give a reason for the hope they have and to do it with gentleness and respect, which gentleness is a fruit of the spirit. Second Timothy 2, 24 and 25. We're to correct our opponents with gentleness, which by the way, is again every every almost ever I'm always amazed as I go and read all these passages that tell us how we're what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to engage with people. it's either self-control or gentleness you think about that for let that settle into your engagement with things like this it's we're not we're not doing this Doreen and I don't do these types of episodes to you know blast off on Stephen Furtick or or whoever else we're we're doing this out of to 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 do what Ephesians five eleven says to expose the works of darkness to,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but do what we're commanded in Jude three to contend for the the faith once for all delivered to the saints, which is the the word of God. And so we want to help you. We 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 want to you to be to be clear about this. We want you in love to stand on the word of God and to do it with gentleness and respect, and and, and to correct opponents with gentleness. Um, (laughs) this is not about getting up on your soapbox and, you know, shouting down, you know, Stephen Furtick's followers, but, but if you're a Stephen Furtick follower, we'll we'll talk about this at the end, but I just want to say, Hey, um, already we've seen, he's not giving you the real Jesus. He's not giving you biblical truth. And so, um, you have to ask yourself a question. Um, first uh, Thessalonians five twenty one tells you to test all things and to hold fast to what is good. Acts seventeen eleven, uh, the Bereans were commended uh, for searching the scriptures to see if these things were so. And First Thessalonians two, um, they the the Thessalonians were commended by Paul for receiving the word with gladness and joy. Um, so you if you receive. Furtick's counsel, um, we can go back to Psalm 1 and you're you're following somebody who's going to lead you to destruction, you know, away from God. And, but but those who teach rightly to use that same passage, uh, the, the sound teachers are going to lead you to delight in God's word and to help you to grow therein, not away from the presence of God. They're going to usher you into the presence of God. And the only way to be ushered in the presence of God for anybody is through the scriptures. And, and it's always been you at 45, uh, 45 minutes and 30 seconds to 46 minutes. Furtick teaches this in this uh, It's Always Been You sermon. There are kings in you, there are crowns in you, there's a legacy in you, there's dreams in you, there's ministry in you, there's medicine in your leaves. Oh boy. Um, There is healing in you. There are things God desires to release through your life that will change generations that share your last name.
0: There's kings in you. There's crowns in you. There's legacy in you. There's dreams in you. There's ministry in you. There is medicine in your leaves. There is healing in you. There are things that God desires to release through your life that will change the generations that will share your last name.
1: Wow, that's a doozy right there, folks. Um,
2: it God, is. It, re- it uh, reminds me of um, Chris Rosebro's um, prophetic bingo that he does once a month. Oh. And so when there's these words that word of faith teachers use in charismatic church. So uh, legacy is one because it's like a mantra of theirs and release is another buzzword that they use and breakthrough. And it's all these hyped up promises that if you'll do this, God will do that. Just not biblical at all.
1: Yeah. Uh, Matthew 633 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Will be added to you. Um, you know, at the end of his life, John the Baptist said he must ma- in John 330, he must increase, but I must decrease. And so it wasn't about John the Baptist, he recognized the the ascending Christ and the mission of Christ. Um, and so um God calls us to make little of ourselves and much of him. And even if he didn't intend his – Furtick didn't intend his message to be interpreted this way, the statements that he offers encourage people to seek their own glory since God's glory is never mentioned as the driving aim. The chief end of man, the Westminster Confession says, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so uh, those who are biblically minded, biblically discerning might be able to – we might be able to charitably say this, uh, Furtick. Uh, generic statements to a biblical principle The biblically minded person but even that means that still means that as we've talked about uh first uh, timothy three two the only thing that a teacher uh, the only thing that a pastor or elder is to do um, the other things are about them be their being their character qualities the only thing that an elder or pastor is to be able to do is to teach And so all of that explanation means that the Bible teacher's responsibility to teach well according to the word of God and to equip them in the truth now becomes a listener's burden to siphon any spiritual nourishment or anything away from the message. And that is never to be the case. We are to rightly handle the word of God. Uh, God, I I like to think of it this way. Ephesians 4.15 says that God gave us pastors and teachers. The very purpose for that, 2 Timothy 2 15, tells us to that we who preach and teach the word, we are that is a ministry to help people learn to read and to study the Bible, uh, so that they can go and do it themselves. Um, so that is actually a, a real warning for pastors and those who preach and teach. Your James 3 1 tells us that those who teach are going to be held to a stricter judgment. Um, and that is a sober warning because, as I mentioned, if you go and read uh, Jeremiah, if you go and read Ezekiel, the strongest words in the those books of the Bible are for those who lead people away from God. And so we want to call Furtick and uh, those who follow his theology, um, we want to call them to repent and to believe on Christ and uh, to reject word of faith and new apostolic theology and um, pr- theological liberalism and the and the whole panoply of it and to sit and to learn uh, under um biblically qualified male pastors uh you know and that might mean they never preach or teach again that's that's okay um but uh you you know there's also something you might be listening or watching this and you might think, well, this is just one sermon where he's done this. Uh, unfortunately, there's there's at least five others that I found that are, where this is similar type theology. Uh, it, it, these are um, a word for your insecurities. Do the new you. It will come together. Quit thinking you're not good. Are you in control? And so, as we've tried to iterate, uh, reiterate throughout this this. Uh, video this episode is you know what it's not about me and it's not about you it's about god we're to bring glory to god we're to glorify god and enjoy him this is a very chief end of man this is the reason that he made us he made us to know him and yet then we fell genesis 3 and and yet in the, in the midst of our fall god promised to send one who would crush the head of the serpent and that one who is. Crushed the head of the serpent is none other than Christ the King and our Lord and our Master. And he says in John 19.30, it is finished. He tore the veil from top to bottom. And so now only through the death and burial and resurrection of Christ can we have new life and hope and meaning and purpose and value um, in him. And so uh, we must repent and we must believe on Christ. Acts 16.31 says to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. And so I would plead with you, if you're following this theology and you've never done that, to repent and to believe and put your hope and trust in Christ alone. Um, and so oh, his yeah, his work also it shows a skewed understanding of God's uh, word. That is a problem because every single uh, teacher of the word. Is to rightly handle the the word of God, and so this is absolutely
2: well. The main thing is when you're reading the titles of his sermons. I've never heard such titles. It sounds like articles in a woman's magazine. I mean, mm. most sermon titles are the passage of the Bible, and it might have a, a description of that passage, but it would never be. It's always been in you. <laughs> you can do it that that's just not sermons at all. So that should be a clue. And, and I, I just want to mention, usually we talk about this is that some people might uh, quote Matthew 18 to us and say, well, why didn't you just go directly to Stephen Furtick with these complaints? And, and I want to say that I'll link the previous videos that I've put with Stephen Furtick's former staff, and they talk about how he's insulated with yes men and yes women and there, you cannot get close to his. You can't even talk to him. You can't even look at him unless you're in his inner circle. And then it's yes people who never would dare to suggest that he's off base. Mm. Matthew 18 is about the local church. It's not about public figures. I mean, Jesus and every one of the epistles except for one called out false teachers very often by name. Jesus said they were a brood of vipers, that their father was the devil. They were hypocrites. So we are biblically instructed to call out false teachings to warn the the flock, to warn the sheep of these false shepherds.
1: Yeah, and Paul engaged in not only that, but he. some people use Matthew 7 and say, well, you can't judge, but that's the hypocritical judgment of the religious leaders. It's not saying that you don't judge because Jesus later in John 7 says to judge with right judgment. And mm-hmm. so even Jesus... Engaged in what we call discernment, he he. But he was the Son of God and the Son of Man. He knows what is in man's heart. First uh, Samuel tells us, and so um, he knows the hairs on our head. Um, and so that's why we must judge rightly with the Word of God, and that's what First uh, Thessalonians five twenty one is all about. It's. It's not about just judging people wrongly. It's about judging people truthfully and with the word of God and the word there for test, it means to examine or analyze. And so we're supposed to do the hard work of testing all things, examining, analyzing them with the truth. And we see this throughout, we see this in 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 and um, of course, in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, John 7, you see this throughout Jesus' teaching. And by the way, uh, over and against the religious leaders, we must say, uh, since I mentioned the Sermon on the Mount, the people at the end of the Sermon on the Mount recognized that Jesus was not one teaching the opinions of the, about the law, which is what the religious leaders were doing. The, instead, he was giving them the word and they recognize this in in Matthew 7 uh, 24 and 25 as him teaching with authority and so that is uh that is a powerful point um because we're supposed to be we who preach and teach the word are to or even write about the bible or anything were to be about uh the scripture and about helping people know the truth amen so you might just as we wrap up i think it's important um as well Just to mention, you you might wonder, well, why even care about this? Why even bother to listen to this? And, you know, in 2 Timothy 4, 3, it says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears, they will uh, accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their passions. And so, you know, that is the truth. Over and against what it says in verse 1 of 2 Timothy 4 to preach the word, Paul is then issuing a warning that... You know, in the in the times that remain in between Christ dying and rising and his eminent return, uh, there's gonna be people who are going to lead you astray. And Stephen Furtick is one of those people. They are all about themselves, they're all about their message, they're all about um, you know, me, 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 M- more money, my wealth, um, you know, my theology, the way I see it. And this is what we call hedonism. It's a seeking pleasure for themselves. It is accumulating an empire for your own glory. And that dishonors God, it robs him of glory. Um, it doesn't build up the church and strengthen the church in any way. It doesn't make disciples to make disciples. And that is why um, Stephen Furtick is a false teacher. Uh, this kind of teaching encourage, will encourage you to uh, the listener— to be molded not by Scripture and by sound theology as described by the Church, but instead by that teacher, um, and and that is absolutely sinful. It is it is abhorrent. It dishonors God. It robs Him of glory. That's what was at stake in the Bible when you know, as I mentioned in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, people were leading the people the people of God astray. Uh, they were teaching people falsely. And what God wanted was for people to be shepherded in the truth. Um, So we as Christians, we must grow in godly discernment. We must have an appetite for these things. And we must get a spine to actually uh, give a a biblical care, if you will, about these things. And we need to pray that the Spirit will expose uh, false teaching. We need to speak up. Um, We're not only called to watch out for false teachers. We need to pray for them. We need to pray for their Mm -hmm. followers to come out of from them and to the truth. And we need to pray for their repentance and the return to sound biblical uh, teaching. So
2: absolutely true. Many people told me after I was saved that they had been praying for me for years. And I'm sure grateful for that. And we pray that God will do a work in the heart of the false teachers like he did with me. If I can be saved, anybody can.